We are not millennials. We are matured. Brought up on collaboration as an art form. Delivered as value. That was very choral. Yes. Very choral. Yes. You've been practicing your singing? Yes. Try to do it again, but can you do it an octave higher? <laughs> Steve. Hi, Steve. <laughs> hey, guys, welcome to what is effectively now a normal podcast. Until I tell you which number it is. And oh, yes. Today, we are at number 69. 69 the summer of 69 of 69 of course yes what that's, else what that's else? what i, meant. I what can't else? think of anything else at of all course. um it's the summer of Swasontnuf. yeah it doesn't quite rhyme the same to, to does be it on, to be honest every summer is a summer for Swasontnuf. <laughs> but anyway <laughs> let's not get into the sweaty <sighs> details no let's not do that uh the comedian in me is sitting gagged at this moment in time <laughs> but it might get released a little bit further on as we go anyway welcome everybody to office receipts five distilled marine and i are back in the office we're not on the road anymore too bad we, uh, i had yeah. so much such a good time listen you oh. it's like swiss on nerf when you get a little bit you want more okay <laughs> so uh just take what you've got and let's yes. move on all right all right but we do have an amazing podcast today i've got a great subject haven't we yes i think so it's yes. not anything to do with ms teams anymore because <laughs> uh, we once, know that yeah. ms teams is dead now we uh, we know that for the last five or six weeks we killed it yeah now we'll get back to that because uh, as we said there's so much to do so i read an article um from microsoft it was uh about an infinity loop and i went oh that looks fun that's cool is that like a marvel universe thing <laughs> no it's no, like a star trek infinity gauntlet oh yeah yes yeah exactly. i get yes. it but basically they were talking about how microsoft transformed over the last few years it was a piece of microsoft advertising i'm not yeah going back they, they had some good um uh, it was their consultancy service um, but what attracted me to it was this fact that it's an infinity loop and constant constant improvement, um, the old Agile thing that I like. Yeah. But it also struck me about how it was measured. And so I shared yes. this with you yes. um, a, a week ago and said, hey, look, this looks like it could be fun. We could also bring in um, our mocker framework mm -hmm. in terms of improvement. But I don't think we're actually going to get to that today, the mm -hmm. way this is planning. No, stuff. but I feel that there's going to be a really good mocker framework episode really, really, really soon. Really, really, really yes. soon. Yeah, we won't argue with that. So, um, so consequently, Microsoft got this infinity loop. They, they talk about how they use AI um, to drive their change and their digital transformation. Yes. But of course, they're basically saying is, look, you start your digital transformation, you go through the loop. We've talked about so many of the things that we do on that loop. Um, and then, of course, you get back to the beginning and you look at what you've learned and then you, you carry on again. Yeah. So it's, it's actually like years and years and years ago when, when I start, first started in IT, you've got this loop of um, do something uh, measure the impact uh improve on it and uh, and then measure again and then change it and then measure again and 
Like, like a loop. In, like an infinite loop. Like an infinite yes, loop. Exactly. Exactly like exactly. that. Exactly. So Microsoft has have now discovered that as well, <laughs> I guess. And they I say, guess they have. And they now say, look, our Microsoft consultancy services, um, we're doing that as well. So we're measuring stuff and then we're trying to improve on that and then we just keep on measuring and keep on improving but what they're saying of course is that because of their fabulous ai engine Mm -hmm. then um yes they're basically saying we could we've got an advantage on it but that was a sales bit i don't want to get into that too much no but also of course the beauty of the whole thing of microsoft running all our services is that they've got a ton of data on how their services are being used. Correct. And a few years ago, Microsoft even changed their uh, sales incentive, not towards how many licenses they are selling, but how many people are actually using the most of that license. And how many services they were actually enabled yes, and turned exactly. on. Yes. And, and I, I don't disagree. I, I'm also starting to get a pretty annoyed about the fact that even if you try and control those services you're rolling out because you want to do them in a small gentle way microsoft come and stamp all over you and say no hey we've got these new sharepoint templates you can now create these new sites in sharepoint that's all really good but if you've turned yammer off they just ignore that completely and they turn yammer on because they've got a nice yammer web part in this template (laughs) so you enable the template and they turn yammer on so now you suddenly have to start doing the risk analysis because i haven't sorted my governance out for yammer yet i haven't thought about my communications but if i if the user uses the template which you can't turn off by the way Uh well you couldn't when i looked at them two weeks ago then you suddenly end up with yammer it's kind of like a fart in your Swasson Neuf. <laughs> we might have to edit that out. But anyway. I, can, I, can, I, I tell you, I watched your face. I saw that develop. I thought, what is coming? <laughs> this okay. is episode 69. Exactly. One to remember. Yes. But let's go back to our loop. So yes. that was one aspect of it. And what I wanted to do, which we will do in a little bit, was to touch on the more practical aspects of that. Because quite frankly, I'm not going to take 20 consultants into an organization and set up an infinity loop to be able to do this checking and stuff. It's going to be done nice and slow with the adoption team. But the big advantage is to inject some data and some real figures. We had two areas of this, didn't we? We had the touchy-feely, soixante-neuf figures. Yes. And we had the cold, hard data. All right. And between the two of them. So what we're basically going to do in this podcast is we're going to look at those aspects and how to measure them and and how to get them. But you also did some insight into this stuff, didn't you? And and looked at another various other ways of looking at this measurement and so when you sent me this last week and you said look this would be a great topic for a podcast of course i ignored it completely until 10 minutes before i started driving towards you so 10 minutes before i got into the car actually opened up uh, that uh, thing that you sent me uh took a look at the um at the at the document and they were actually saying look if you want to have this infinity loop of progress if you want to use that into your organization you need to use our ido framework right and the ido framework microsoft describes it as their intelligence driven organization uh, framework 
um, when I googled that I of course also because this kind the name kind of sounded familiar so I, I googled it and I found that Deloitte also has something like that and it's called inside driven organization which is actually more or less kind of like 100% the same thing kind of yes almost, kind of quite almost like, 100% almost exactly 100%. the same thing yeah yes so they're just talk about okay measure and then act upon that and then measure again and then see if you're going into the right direction well there is a third angle that you keep forgetting i think and that is this insight stuff so what you do i think is have an assessment level so it's not it's important to understand that so you do your thing you measure it but then you look at what you're going to learn from it so you need to get the insights from it and then you don't do the same thing twice if it failed once you need to change to assess that failure and then work out from there. So the measurement and the figures are important. And exactly. Microsoft do the same thing. So yes. that's what that's what they're yeah. saying that AI stuff does. It will try and tell you where to improve. Yeah, it's like the famous George Bush quote: um, "If, if I uh, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, uh, something like that." Yes. I'm glad you remembered that. That came out. That no, was no, really that's, good. That, that were exactly his words. Like, was... Shame on me, and then fool me twice. Uh, shame on you or something yeah oh well it, it was it was embarrassing to watch even to 20 years ago but so so anyway insight driven organization then is yes. what deloitte is saying yes yeah, so intelligence or insight driven organization which kind of uh, falls into four main areas um and this is all about how you would drive adoption of a certain technology or just in technology as a whole into your organization so of course they talk about your uh, strategy on your executive level and they talk about every uh, digital transformation needs to have a culture transformation as well which i totally agree on i totally 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 agree on. i was that. looking at that the other day culture eats strategy for breakfast from yes. your friend mr sinek i still got the uh, yes. the post-it up on my wall here i was yes. looking at that the other day awesome awesome quote but it kind of means something else but that's I okay i know i get that <laughs> that's okay i heard the word culture so i thought i'd be smart yeah and and actually this whole ido thing talks about how you can become an intelligence driven organization so it's all about changing your organization to become an organization that is measuring everything and then um, looking at the results and then changing up on it. So you need to have an executive strategy on starting to measure everything. Uh, you need to have your tech capabilities. That's the second layer. And that's all about, okay, are your people able to create metrics that are meaningful? Agreed. The third layer would be all about business use cases. So you want to change certain business processes. Uh, you need to well, you need to start measuring what you want to change and how you want to improve. And then exactly, I know. And then this the last, is really exciting, Marine. Let me yes. know when you're finished. Yeah. Well, the, the last one is your operating model, which is your base layer, which is your day-to-day -day activity, and it's it's all about how to create and craft usable metrics that you can then act upon. 
All right. So if, if I could kind of simplify this for everybody. Yes. All right. So we need to make sure we have executive buy-in. That's what the executive strategy is. Yes. They know what we're aiming for and we need to feed back figures to them that say we're, we're progressing. Yes. We're on the way. Yes. And we therefore need to have a technique for measuring them so that those figures can be created and collected consistently. Mm -hmm. um, and the other one was the business buy-in. So your ambassadors, they're yeah. also well aware of what they're being measured against so that the efforts can be put into making sure that people are working towards it. Yeah. And then you end up with a triangle. Um, all linked together with the model of, yes. that you're going to pull them together. Yes. Yeah, some nice little, yes. very expensive model. Uh, an, the problem an expensive is, brain, ideal love triangle. Yeah, the the yes. problem with all of this is this is not us. This is not what we do on a podcast. We need to try and get practical. So yes, we talked about being touchy-feely and we talked about cold, hard data. So, and again, it fits into the triangle, guys. I'm not trying to get around it. So in terms of cold, hard data, we're going to look at some of the reports that we get from Office 365, how they pull those together. And we're also going to look at some of the touchy-feely stuff, all right, which are, are still based, though, as quantitative, all right, physical actions that people are doing. Um, and of course, along the side of all of this is all of your ambassador feedback, all of your user loops and everything else that goes with it. And th that creates the ability to do this insight-driven organization. It's a bad word for it, really, but the infinity loop. It can test something, try it, see whether it's successful, and then move on with some improvements and take it from there. Yeah. Cool. Well, it is actually all about moving from that touchy-feely, like, how are we doing? Ah, pretty good, I guess towards cold hard data how yeah. are we doing oh our sales numbers are up from last week so we're doing good yeah exactly so yeah. you know how is the adoption going actually it's going really really well okay why and how exactly and confirm and it's it's also kind of like a few episodes ago we had uh, Jan uh, we, we had a, a little interview with Jan we didn't record that one but we used that as a basis for a podcast episode yes and he also talked about those um, requests, those value add requests and Correct. value negative requests. And, and that's kind of like the same thing. Like, oh, um, we want to get less help desk tickets. And that yeah, is, but a... is that really what you want? You actually want to get less um, help desk tickets of people who are not capable of doing anything. But you want to get more help desk tickets around people saying, okay, now I've got this. Could I also do this and this and this and that's where your model is it's, exactly. it's about so is the if is less help desk tickets symptomatic of a more intelligent organization or an organization that says well i just can't be bothered to do this exactly so i don't need yes. to ask the questions yes. i'm still you know you've got to be able to put that context in and that's where the combination of the touchy-feely ambassadors network feeding that information out great communications is as important as cold hard Data. Exactly. That's that's the importance of creating good metrics. Like yeah. your number of help desk tickets is not a good metric. It's the questions that are being asked. Correct. So I mean, it's a little bit like um, uh, the information data, data information and knowledge thing. You know. Yes. So the, just because I have seventy-five tickets this week means nothing. All right. But if I had seventy-five tickets more than last week then I have two pieces of data that could potentially mean something. 
Um, and of course, if this is based upon something that I'm involved with, then it gets into knowledge, but we won't get into that now. So data is one thing, but actually to get to information, to get to meaningful conclusions, you need more than one thing compared to the other. Now, Microsoft approached this in a particular kind of way, don't they? they so they have this uh, productivity score, okay, yes. which is yes. a way of basically trying to define as an organization how you're improving or not improving. Well, basically, it's the, the idea is how it's, it's well... It's a measurement tool. Yeah, how well are, use, are, are people using our Microsoft services? Uh, yeah, let's keep yeah. it simple. It's yes. a measurement tool. Yes, so for exactly. this infinity loop, yes. we try something. We do four training courses this week. Mm -hmm. We sent the ambassadors on with some targets to go and talk to their strategic management. We do four migrations of content. So that's what we've we done this week. Communication email. Yeah, yeah. we measure it. Yes. So you have to find some way of measuring it. Yes. And then you move on to your next stage where you say, okay, we're in a position now where the software is rolled out. We need to train a thousand people and then we'll measure again and find out whether a thousand people is the right number or not the right number, et cetera, et cetera. So you need that consistent model. And right in the middle of your triangle, it says... Operating model. Operating your model. day-to-day. -day. Yeah. yeah. So there are a bunch of reports, activity reports, adoption reports, in Microsoft 365. Yes. And guys, you can wake up now, guys and girls, you can wake up now because we're going to start getting something that you can go and touch and feel and work on. So, how do Microsoft measure productivity in the organization and, and collaboration in some ways? They do it using five areas. Yes, five five people oh, oriented actually, areas. We, have, we yes. have more, don't we? Because yeah, yeah, they yeah. talk about Intune as well, but we're no, not going to get no, into no. there. So there are a bunch of statistics from Intune, kind of about you know uh, the quality of connections and and that kind of stuff. Yes. But we're not going to get into that. We're really into adoption level, productivity score, that kind of stuff. So, what are those five areas, Moraine? Well, we've got communication. Meetings, content collaboration, teamwork, and mobility. Okay. Those are the five ones. So let's just describe each, what each of them are before we look at how Microsoft to create them. I think let's, that's a good let's idea. Let's first say how you can get those. Because I knew the productivity score existed, but I couldn't find it very fast. Now, actually, it was really interesting because I searched Google for productivity score and then I got a whole bunch of things from Microsoft. I've yeah. done that before somewhere along the way. I'm not quite sure. This Google stuff... I'm, Sound, it felt familiar like I'd done it before. That's yes. not really what you meant, was it? No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> but so if you go to your admin center yeah. on the left-hand side, you've got reports, and under that, underneath that, you've got both your usage report that you know from way, way back, and you've got a productivity score, which is relatively new. It's been, a, it's been around for a year now. Yeah. So, and also, if you go to things like Teams now, you've also got a whole bunch of uh, reporting there. Yes. So, reporting generally is is up and about. And generally, within my any adoption project that I've ran, we basically take uh, two figures. One is about sort of quantities of documents and how many uploads are at and where we're at with people accessing that content. Mm -hmm. Just pull that off and throw it into a Power BI report and dashboard. Yes. Yes. So you can report back to your stakeholders and show a consistent growth. Yes. That's not actually showing productivity. It's just showing that content is getting moved and people are accessing it. Yeah. And then uh, within MS Teams, the number of calls, that kind of stuff. They're all cold, hard data. Yes. All right. And we know what numbers. It's raining. 
which is useless to me if I'm in Timbuktu and it's raining in Paris, you know. I need to know that it's raining in Timbuktu for it to have some effect on me. So figures are not there. And that, I think, is what Microsoft have done with this productivity score. They've come up with some algorithms, some values that look at how well people are communicating, a definition of, of what they have with meetings, a definition for content collaboration, a definition for teamwork, and a definition for mobility. But they've done it by using all of those cold, hard data figures. So they can put numbers against it. They can put percentages against it. All right. And in every case, every one of those is referring to more than one attribute of collaboration or one attribute of meetings yes, or yes. one attribute of content collaboration. So, for example, if you can say, hey, I've got a thousand people in my organization and we had 600 meetings this week. It's a number that doesn't mean anything True. and it's definitely not a definition of how well the meetings are going or exactly. those kinds of things. Exactly. So we're going to try and break these five areas down a little bit. That's what we're actually going to try and do. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully that will convince you guys that, um, hey, you know, Microsoft may be onto something here because this productivity score, I mean, it's fairly new. It's at the beginning. But it does have some real value that will tell you and identify for you how well your organization is doing. So you can use it um, as a real-time end-user driven set of figures that will give you some insight into how the organization is moving forward. Yes, exactly. Is it, time right. for, is it time for whiskey yet? Because this, <laughs> this, this is making me really, really thirsty. It's dry. It's dry uh, content. It's dry content. Just like it, my, it actually rhymes with our whiskey. We have dry rye. rhymes with a whiskey, the yeah. rye. Yes. All right. Yeah, we've got actually an amazing whiskey later on. We have, yes. <gasps> and if you've been um, monitoring our Twitter feeds uh, over the last few weeks, you'll notice that we were at a very special distillery just after Commsverse. Um, and we were drinking whiskey that was made from barley and wheat that is very old. Very old. Medieval yes. In exactly. fact, so yeah, we get to taste that later. Good. All right. Where are we going to start? Communication. Communication. First one. Yes. So communication is, so you get points if you got uh, people in your organization that are using more than one way to communicate. So in simple terms, um, the basic figure it gives you, it says X percentage of people in your organization use one more than one mode to communicate. And that basically means that they are sending emails through Exchange. They're also sending messages through Teams and they're also posting communicate in the communities on Yammer. Exactly. So they take all of those things and say, look, as long as somebody is using more than one mode to communicate, then their communication is of some value. And there's yeah. some re it's real truth in that actually. Exactly, and that also brings us back to the Mocha framework. Yes, it uh, does. Because in the Mocha framework, for the people listening, you've got you as a person in your organization, and you're doing work on teams with your teams, and you're doing stuff for your community in Yammer. So if you have both teams and Yammer rolled out, you will get a better score because then people are posting in communities, and people are using Teams, and people are using email. So those would be different ways of communicating with each other. Yes. But but it has a real practical limit on it. I mean, we were we've been we're doing the podcast now, 
So we are communicating in a different kind of way. Previously, we were doing a bit of fault finding, trying to find out why I couldn't rename a site the way that I wanted to rename it. Yeah. That involved long-term conversations that might be the equivalent of an email with a long description, but also short, hey, try this, hey, try that. No, the command's wrong. And every day uh, in an organization where, where I work at the moment, we are have emails, we have documents that are exchanged through email, um, and we also have a lots of chats because yes. that's the way we used to communicate in the office. We'd have, I'm going off to the meeting room or somebody would stand by your desk. Yeah, and the so, problem is you can't measure those. You can't measure those, but this, in terms of measuring communications, it actually is quite good because if people are interacting different ways, then they are basically <laughs> communicating in, in um, they're responding to things in different kinds of ways. So it's yep. a two-way process. Exactly. And sorry, you need Ooh. some you need some rye for I your need dry some rye mouth. with that water. Yes, yes, exactly. So they actually break that down. So um, how you how people are communicating, but also for example on email, how many people are actually using the ad mention uh, in emails? Yeah. How many people are using team channels uh, versus chat messages uh, on Teams? And how many people are using the question and answer functionality in Yammer? Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Definitely, definitely, definitely very cool. Yes. So in terms of, the, they've got some visualizations and graphs with it. Yeah. So the graphs basically as a numerator and a, a denominator. And basically the numerator is the number of people using more than one mode of communication. And the number of people marked as enabled for more than one node of communication then over the last month they kind of work out where that is at yeah. um, mm -hmm. and they also do some peer benchmarking as well which i think is also quite important so yes. same kind of business this is the typical kind of communications mark exactly and you get that all rolled up into a nice little graph all explained yeah and uh, basically you can work out from a communications perspective you know because that is kind of important in productivity unless you're a milkman of course, where you yeah, get okay, up okay. at five in the morning and deliver bottles and go home again. Then it's just about how many bottles you broke or didn't break or delivered. Yeah, exactly, to us. Yeah. But in terms of office productivity, I quite like that. It's nice and broad. Okay, next one, meetings. Meetings. Oh, this was a strange one. We were a bit um and, and a, in Yeah, it's kind of, a, kind of a weird one. It's uh, how many people in meetings are using their video camera or sharing their screen? And I'm not quite convinced. I, I totally, I, I believe wholeheartedly that when you're in a meeting and you turn on your video, your webcam, that it adds to the meeting. I, I totally believe that. But I also know a number of uh, organizations where everyone in the meeting just turns off their camera by default. So what they're saying, uh, but then in that case, this meeting wouldn't count. It wouldn't count as being productive because we know that body language says so much about a meeting. So if I have 20 people in front of me on a screen and I say something wrong, you instantly know how many people agree or disagree with that because yeah. you get the involuntary you know, shaking of the head, the lifting of the finger, you know, you basically get told whether you like it or not. Exactly. And that is about yeah. a, a, a productive meeting. Yes. If I don't have that 
feedback, I carry on talking as if it's, I just let people listen to it. By now they've switched off. Mm. So it's not productive. So yeah. I think it's important that video is one side, but they also talk about screen sharing. Yes. yes. If, if you are screen sharing, you're talking about a common subject and you're collaborating over that subject. So I kind of like the value of this. Yeah. It, it also talks about how many meetings you have. So for example, how many people have spent over 10 hours a week in a meeting and how many meetings were uh, less than 30 minutes long? Less than 30 minutes long, yeah. yes. Yeah. And also uh, about uh, instant meetings from Teams channels. Like, do you have like uh, scheduled meetings? Do you have scheduled recurring meetings? Do you have one-on-one -on -one calls, like people calling each other? Uh, or do you have instant meetings, stuff like that? Yeah, so the, there are different kinds of meetings. Obviously, they have different yes. effects. And it's about following what Microsoft are measuring is best practices. And they've, yes. they've obviously collected that information based upon a, a, you know, a significant number of, of, uh, of attributes. So you can break those down into best practices. So the people that use video in meetings versus the people that use share, screen sharing. So mm -hmm. if you've got 60% of your people are actually productive in meetings, you can break that 60% down to say, how do how many use videos and how many use screen sharing? Yeah, and I think you have to have something. I mean, I know that lots of people turn them off, but I hate it when people turn their videos off. All yep. right, I I actually think there's real value in turning them on. Some people just don't like it, of course. Yeah, uh, and, and, and for some fine. some uh, people are just in a, in a really bad network neighborhood and they don't have enough bandwidth uh, to actually very valid do a lot of things. Maybe maybe one of the things we should get is you know like when you go to a masked ball, you end up with those masks in front of your eyes. Mm -hmm. I think either Microsoft should do it electronically because AI should be able to put a mask on your oh, face. Oh yes, definitely. Or you know we can actually have some with Office three six five distilled. You know I'm in the meeting and we can call the mask. Fooling productivity score. My video is on, but they don't know what I'm thinking. Hashtag full productivity score. Yes. yes. So would that be like a sleep mask or would that... No, well, okay. Oh, like those glasses where you've got your eyes painted exactly. on that are open. Yes. When yes, behind yes. them, you're actually... Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. It was quite power. interesting. I had a power nap this afternoon. I kind of had a, I've had a long, busy day and about 2.30, I'm going, you know, actually, I'm just going to go offline and, and just close my eyes for half an hour. And the dog was really confused. <laughs> she was sitting there looking at me going, what? What she is kept, he doing? Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. cool. So communications and meetings. meetings. That's yes. two of the five. And then we go into content collaboration. I like content collaboration. Yes. That's for me what this is all about. Well, but we're coming from a SharePoint, SharePoint background. background so yes. That's what we do. And, and content collaboration is defined as a person, a person who creates a document, shares a document, and then at least one other person edits the document uh, as well. And if you deep dive on that, uh, you will actually see how many people uh, are collaborating with uh, your Office files in, in uh, Office 365. Um, how many people are just reading documents? How many people are creating documents? How many people are working on those documents? So that, that is the, the, main, um, the main graph that you would get. And that, of course, is being split out by uh, how many people are using uh, Office to create files in OneDrive and SharePoint. I think this is such an easy one, isn't it? You know, you, you're counting 
in, from a, from a simple perspective, you're counting how many documents are increasing on a week by week basis, and it's amazing how quickly you get past that million million documents mark in no time at all. You know, but there's only four thousand people in this organisation. All of a sudden, boom! You've got twelve million documents on there in in next to no time at all. And of course, you've got a real sample rate then. So the number of documents, how many are being edited? You know, uh, what do they say? They say one person creates. And that person shares, and then somebody else edits. Yes. I think that's a great criteria for saying course, how yeah. well are we doing in terms of content collaboration. Yeah. Um, but, of course, then how I share them. So whether I send a link on messaging, whether exactly. I send it by email uh, is also how, a great identifier. How do you share those documents? Do you share them as a physical attachment in an email, <laughs> or do you share a link? Because I've got, I've got the productivity score for one of my customers open, and I can see here clearly 100% of people are sharing files as an email attachment. A link and not a link then, a real yeah, physical a attachment. But how no. many of those are external? Because that's another attribute that's important here is how many you're sending externally. If you've got a lot of external clients. Yeah, that's only 8%. Yeah. So that, that kind of... Whoo. That negates it a little bit yes, then. But still, no, actually it doesn't. Because when do you want to physically attach a file to an email is when you send it out to somebody when you deliver a document as a result so i need to write a report i'm sending you the report you've got to report i'm delivering this to you when you're actually collaborating on a file i want to send you the link so that we can both work on that link good call so that means if only eight percent are sharing files externally like delivering documents but 100% of people are uh, doing those physically. I mean, yeah, that means a lot of email is being sent internally with a physical file as an yeah. attachment. Yeah, which of course is actually easy to change, but you have to make an effort to do it and get people yeah. you know, aware of it and the advantages and, and the big sell, which is, exactly. which is cool. So that, tomorrow morning, that would be my feedback to this organization. We need to work on better ways of sharing files within the organization. Internally. Yes. Yeah. And uh, one version of the truth and all that kind of exactly. stuff. The other criteria in this, of course, is how many people touch a single document. Yeah. So... Um, number of files that have been collaborated on by a number of people so uh, i collaborated twice today (laughs) and it's the at mentions inside the documents and setting the tasks inside the documents yes Yes. so it's actually quite i really really like the idea that where this is all going and i said it at the beginning it's not just about the hard numbers it's about the combination of those numbers actually meaning that this is a change the organization is using. Exactly. They work really, really well. I do love this. I like it a lot. Because I don't care how many emails are sent outside. No, I need to know how many people are sending emails outside or inside, but with a physical thing. So I can work on a best practice. With all respect, I think it's actually, how is my organization changing? Yes. So the technology forces them to start using SharePoint and start exactly. using no. Outlook and start mm-hmm. using, and that's fine. That's forced. But these kinds of figures are actually saying, you know, they've ad- they are adopting this as a new way of working, and True. that's what we're yes. measuring here. Because 
I'm, I will now follow up on this and I will do some internal massaging of people and say, <laughs> look, <laughs> you need to, exactly, you need to, you need to start doing this better. So we will do a whole communication campaign. And then in a month's time or in two months time, I will come back and revisit those numbers and see no, if they you go won't. up. You will publish those numbers and show everybody where they're at. These numbers are not just for you to gauge. They're actually to be communicated to everybody and say, guys, look at this. We actually did one more document this week than two years ago. I mean, hopefully yeah, the figures yeah, yeah, are okay. better than I that. I get it. I get but, it. Yes. But, but, but those figures are very much public. I mean, one of the things we, we uh, do in one organization is we look at when we did the OneDrive stuff, we mm -hmm. just had a constant update of the files we then got all of the users apn so the uh apn yeah the, the identity it doesn't matter i just thought i'd use the wrong acronym but we get their email addresses that's what i'm looking uh, for okay all okay right? okay all right, we get their email addresses we break them down into divisions so we get and so we get we then compare division to division to actually work out who was going to one drive oh, quicker than cool. the other and that that's was cool public kind of view to all the stakeholders and the board and so the directors part of that strategic executive strategy was being able to look at it and say which ones had actually been done well yeah. not because you want to say yeah, we're better than you but actually we're able to say how the hell did you do that you're 25 percent ahead of everybody else so what kind of messages have you used in your division so that the other people can actually use the same process yeah and exactly. it's a regular problem. Hey, we need to migrate these people this year. But that's fine. You're two-thirds through the year. And why have it not been migrated? Well, the business has to do this, and they don't have time to do that, and they don't have time to do the other. Mm -hmm. And their excuses are coming back. But you can catch those a lot earlier down the line. Yeah. So content collaboration is cool. Let's jump the next one and go to the last one first, because I think teamwork is more important and things. But sure. mobility. Yeah. Mobility, yeah. So... Mobility is um, being uh, defined as people using more than one platform uh, to do their stuff, to access their emails and their files. So it, it's a fundamental part of productivity and collaboration is that we don't have to worry about getting the machines to them or getting their office sorted out or giving them the right process or making sure their own office is correct. We just need to be able to give them access to the data through whatever platform that they want to use, be it phone or be it laptop or be it whatever. This yep. week, you, if you'd have walked past this house, what day was it? I think it might have been Thursday uh, of uh, last week. Yes. So anyway, Thursday of last week, I was standing at the top of the drive with my phone against my ear in a refinement meeting for my scrum because... Okay. Um, Telenet, my service provider, had died at 8 o'clock in the morning. And for some reason, Orange was not reaching into my house. So the only way I could actually get any phone signal at all was at the top of the drive. Wendy loved it. She was running around all over the place going, oh, we can play now, you know. But yeah, I got a bloody coat on cold in the morning because that was the only place I could get connected. Oh. But it was a mobile phone. And yep. I was able to connect by mobile phone because my laptop was useless. Yeah. Yep. So it, it is. So it's not only just about uh, measuring it, but it, you know, it was uh, allowing me to continue to work. It's, it's about that agility. Like, what tool do I want to use when? Do great, I want to work uh, on site? Do I want to work remotely? Because that's that's also one of the things that is being measured. Um, and and how 
where am I using Outlook? Am I using Outlook on the web, on the mobile, on the desktop, on another platform? How am I using Teams? Am I using that on, on the web? Uh, do, am I using the client? Am I using the mobile uh, version? Well, I think it's also about the different apps like Word and Excel and PowerPoint yes. and how yeah. you're swapping data around. I, I, I Today, I was looking at AAD groups. Um, I was realigning... Um, the licensing groups in our Active Directory. So you can basically um, uh, say anybody in this group gets a Power Apps license. Mm -hmm. Anybody in this group gets Teams license. Yeah. Okay. And of course, as we'd rolled out over the years, we ended up with all of these AAD groups mm -hmm. for the different licenses. So now our baseline includes all of those apps. So I was realigning those. So I was trying to get from Azure AAD a list of all the groups so I was trying to cut, you know what it's like, you're trying yeah. to cut and paste it from a page. Oh. So I pasted it into Word, didn't work, pasted it into Excel, it did work. Then a little bit of cutting the rows out, and then I was able to cut and paste it back into Word. So I got high scores there because I was moving that data around the applications. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not just about being able to get to that content, it's about how you use the interactive. And of course yeah. with Fluid and all the, the stuff that... Uh, Microsoft are bringing out in that area, you know, the more people you can get to understand that their data doesn't need to be in one container, again, better transformation, better moving forward. It Fluid is going to be an absolute mindfuck for 80% of the people. Oh, it's a nightmare. Oh, it's yes. a nightmare. But oh, that's, yes. that's why it you... Is, let, let, let's, let's get one thing straight. It is dead cool. It is the coolest <laughs> thing happening to Office in the last 20 years i think it is it's it's the coolest thing happening in my lifetime in office right but, but it's going to be a nightmare <laughs> for so many people who are used to putting everything in a box like this is a presentation this is a document this is a report this is a spreadsheet but when you tell them and you say hey look what's going to happen is you're going to get this email and in the middle of your email, when you open it, will be the PowerPoint presentation. And you'll be able to click on it and just say, next slide, next slide, next slide. And you won't have to leave your email. And they go, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, but it'll take you four hours to get used to actually setting it up in the first place. I mean, I know it won't. But getting, as you say, getting that mind into, oh, well, it's Outlook. So I have to attach it as a file and as an object. And, uh, you know, so I'm hoping Microsoft, dear Jeff, Dear Jeff, whatever you do with Fluid, make sure that from a user perspective, it's as simple as adding an attachment to an email, and then you do your clever shit and make it appear in the middle of the email automatically, and away you go. Because if it doesn't, it will fail. There are a few demos uh, available, so you, you can even play with it yourself, and, and there are some videos available it's it's gorgeous it's beautiful it is amazing it's gonna ch it's gonna be so useful in so many cases but there are so many people who are gonna struggle with this <laughs> it's gonna be a big sell oh. which is why it's important to get a good productivity score before you start that process exactly and it also means that we will not be out of business for the next few that years. is very very exactly. true as well because it's adoption well. will be so incredibly important for this well i think mobility is is an important one because very often we ignore it we think intune is managing it blah 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 when the reality is it's about um how 
agile you are with your content and which device it's running on of course and of course yeah. it, it, we have all these wonderful new devices that we saw being released this week oh <laughs> man 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 dear man, jeff man. dear jeff <laughs> what i would like is that when you get me all excited to the point of being a big boy because i see all this new technology you don't make it available in every other country except belgium Soddy now, that was so frustrating. Yes, I'm having one of those. And then there's a little line at the bottom of the Belgian website that says available sometime in 2022. Yep. Yep, yep. All right, Jeff, please. Yeah, we yeah, we will yeah, we we need we need to work around that. We do. And I mean, yes. normally I would go to the UK and order it. I will manage to convince Microsoft UK that my address that I pay for my credit card with a Belgium address with a UK postcode and that actually works. Then awesome. I get the VAT back. Yeah. But now with Brexit. Oh no. Now with Brexit I can't get the thing in the country without oh, paying no. a huge amount of import duty. Oh. So it's all pretty chaos. So yes, yeah. it would be good please if you could uh, think about a proper worldwide release just like James Bond. All right, it's available yeah. in every country in every language, good to go. If they can do it, boy, I'm sure you can. All right, I've had enough of that one. Let's move on. <laughs> but they sure look nice. I know that Surface Duo 2 Oh, it, it is so incredibly expensive. expensive. It is so freaking <laughs> expensive. And I know that if I'll wait another nine months, it will come down in price. I don't, I'm not sure if I want to wait that okay, long because it's so cool. Are you going to sell your whiskey barrel to pay for it? No. Think of it that way. And that yeah, way you well, might wait actually, nine months. Actually, that whole whiskey barrel that I bought, which, which contains around 370 bottles actually is worth two surface duos <laughs> it's like two of those little devices and i like either get two of those or like get one of that super nice surface studio laptop or oh, that's heavy i was looking at that the other day 370 bottles of whiskey Ooh, yeah. that's that's a yeah. Yeah, that Surface laptop is really very nice. The problem is that carrying it around, if you're going to use it as a tablet, yeah, it's it doesn't quite work. The only upside of that is the video card in there is better. Same as the Surface laptops now. No, the Surface. What are they called? The the book. The oh, book. The, yeah, yeah, the Surface yeah, book. Yeah. The video card is better for driving multiple screens. But true. Definitely going to have one of those eight pros as soon as I can get my fingers yes. on one. Um, yes. But uh, but there you go. Right. right. Anyway, I yes. digress. But that yes. was because we were talking about tools and things in mobility. Toys. 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 You can't have a nice uh, Swasson enough without talking about toys. Yes, exactly. true. You can't. Exactly. Nice. Teamwork. Teamwork. More Swasson enough. Exactly. <laughs> Let's get everyone on board. The more, the merrier. Yes. All right. My apologies. Cool. It's Moraine's fault. Yes. It was going to be episode 69 until he went on Neuf earlier today, and that just blew my head. Right. Teamwork. <laughs> that, this is actually, I've kept this to last because um, it brings together everything that's associated with everything else. So the, 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 Places you do your communication, the places you do your meetings, the places where your content is in there, and the devices you look at is all about the workspaces, the containers that control all of this, that actually maintain it and manage it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So this is about um, where are people contributing to a shared workplace? 
that's that's the the default um yeah, so they're saying the yeah. percentage of people in your organization that contribute to a shared workspace. Now, contribute can be through a number of ways. Sending emails to a group email through Exchange. So it's not about just an email now. It's about sending them to that group email. Sharing channel messages through Teams. Reading and creative content, all right, uh, interactive content in SharePoint team sites, either that or through a, through a group. So yeah. that's the, the kind of practical, simple, high-level stuff. Yes, exactly. But it also measures how um, how engaged they are. Like yes. it, it will also say how many workspaces have, for example, over three days of engagement per week. <laughs> how many? Like it's, it's, it's the same thing. You've got a company of five hundred people, and you will get seven hundred SharePoint sites. That's cool. But how many of those SharePoint sites are act or actually like test? Maran or demo one it's, it's that same thing how many of those sharepoint sites are actually being used and that is what this metric says this is how many of these workspaces are actively being used have more than three days of engagement in a week it's really weird this isn't it because i mean i don't care how many sites i have because people can delete them don't use them anymore whatever it is but now of course it will get it'll go against me based upon this kind of metric which is not a bad thing yeah, I mean, so basically I could have 10,000 sites and I could only have 2,000 of them that are having, you know, um, three interactions a, a week or whatever the number is, mm -hmm. but one will affect the other. So if I yeah. have, you know, 8,000 that are not being interacted with, then that's going to bring down my productivity score. So yeah. maybe I do need to have some governance in place that actually because you know, manages those shapes. Because they're not being productive. It's no. not. It's not a problem that they exist, but they're not being. They're they're not adding to your productivity. No. And they're also taking up resources, management, support, no. help desk calls, blah 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 blah. I can't find my content because it's stuck somewhere that I forgot what the name of the site was. Yeah. But I fell into the classic trap this week, so I'm kind of changing clients I'm, mm -hmm. I'm moving from one long-term contract into another contract at the moment and so consequently there's a handover period you know you mm -hmm. you spend there four years you've got a lot of libraries a lot of sites it's, a lot of stuff in your one drive it's a typical thing you need to do a handover you exactly. need to do a handover yes. yeah. wow we're going to push this too far on <laughs> when i can feel it but um what was interesting was that um i kind of went to the three or four sites that i regularly use mm -hmm. and i went down the navigation on the left hand side and then i went and listed them all and and then emailed all the rest of the group and said okay guys this is where i put the design documents this is where these documents are this is where these documents are and then i'm sitting there going oh my boss then said to me oh can we also update the licensing thing? I was talking to you about that earlier today. So I started to update this licensing thing, but I couldn't find the document. So I'm thinking, but I've just touched every site that I put stuff on, and I know that I've got this combined document somewhere. And um, uh, it's just that the library wasn't listed in the navigation. 
because uh-huh. I'd gone through all these sites, but I didn't go to the site content pages. Classic, yes. classic yes. error. But okay, yeah, actually. And then I managed to find a few more locations because uh, that's where we agreed to move this content to, but somebody had taken it out of the navigation. Yep. So yes, it's an interesting one to, to think about. Anyway, that's fine. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> a, felt, it's a classic. I felt like yeah, an idiot. Yeah. You know. What a mistake it to make. Uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Do you know that we've been rabbiting on here for 52 minutes? Oh, God. We're back to normal. Yeah. We are near the end, though. It's true. We, we kind of covered all, all of these five uh, people-oriented uh, things in the productivity score. So, so what um, does this actually give us then? So we, we've got communications, meetings, content, collaboration, teamwork, mobility. We've also got all the user statistics and the usage reports in yes. terms of numbers if we want to bring them in there. Yeah. And then that's basically brought together to give us this overall productivity score, which is all good and well. Mm-hmm. But let's feed it back into our cultured transformation our strategy that our executive board is saying this is what you're trying to do it basically means i can prove that i've done it or i've not done it or we're moving on we're improving and getting closer to the ultimate the infinity loop never finishes that's it's true. the point. Yes, it doesn't because finish. it's infinite. Exactly. It so you need to take a look at your data, com- come up with those metrics, take a look at the data, draw some conclusions, act upon it, measure and again. move forward. Yes, exactly. And that's, that's what I kind of like on that productivity score is that it doesn't give you like raw data. It will also try, it will also try to interpret that data and say, look, we've got... 21% of shared workspaces have had over three days of engagement this week. Okay, here's a question then. What happens when all of them are at 100%? Well, do you want those things all at 100%? Well, well, way- well you, you kind of want to maximize everything. I get that. No, but, but let's just take the way that these figures are built at the moment. So mm-hmm. if every one of your organization uses two devices to access their content, that's 100%. If- it's true, but also if you're a bank and you want everyone to work on site nine to five, you don't want people to be working with more than one device. You want everyone to work with that VPN system that you put in place. So then I get to, to a security. figure that never changes. Yes. So it could well be that 75% is right for you in your business. Yes. And that, is something that you need to be able to accept and, and confirm up. So yep. your targets uh, aren't infinite. But what happens, of course, is that technology changes. Yes. Um, and they get the new tablets or they have a different way of working. Yep. And, this- and the metrics will change as well. The, the way Microsoft comes up with productivity score right now will be different with what they will come up in a year. Still. Yeah, look what happened to secure score. I mean, exactly. it, a lot of stuff says it just disappears after a few months. Yeah. Is there anything missing? So one or two things that I do see missing, um, things like pen usage. So, you know, on surface screens, drawing, yep. creativity. Whiteboard usage. Whiteboard yeah, usage. Exactly. Yep. So there's, there's things in here that could be added, like the kinds of apps that you use for collaboration and communication. How many meetings that you organize have a meeting agenda for uh, example. an online one yes yeah 
So things, things how many like have that. recordings with transitions and how often are those recordings looked after the meeting? Yes. If I didn't attend a meeting, do I go and look at the recording of the meeting? Yeah. Inclusivity. Yes. How many of your email, text or documents are written in an inclusive way? Important. Yeah, nah. things like that. You know, we sit there joking about swas on earth and then we talk about inclusion. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It's all fun. Yes. I think people yeah, know yeah, yeah. that, that yeah. it's all about fun. But you are right. I think that uh, I, I've had Grammarly professional for the last yeah. year now. Uh, and it's amazing how many things that I write and mm -hmm. I just not, I'm just not made aware of until you have the tools that make it aware of it. So you're right. Yeah. Now, Microsoft is also adding that to their uh, client application. Yeah, they are. Yeah, so that the you, you can already add that in your Word and, and in Outlook as well. I think that you can actually say, okay, test this uh, all all the things that I write, test it for uh, inclusive language and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, culture transformation. Yes, it is what you actually need to have have happen if you want to be an IDO uh, organization and an insight or intelligence driven organization it is everyone in your organization needs to be able to create metrics needs to be able to read metrics come up with conclusions and and be able to act upon it yeah cool 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 that was an interesting conversation i, I think we're only halfway there i still think this is going to rivet on a bit especially when we get the new mocha framework which we're waiting to arrive oh yeah we because we had a hint of course that it's on its way mm -hmm. still might take four months before they eventually do anything with it but uh that's fine um anyway yeah so i think uh, in uh hindsight th this idea of using more than one tool one one attribute to measure create those percentages um uh, and let's not underestimate the work involved here, nope. all right? Because, nope. you know, you can get the data, you can get the stats. It's the same as everything else. It's not about the technology. That's only one attribute of it. So, you know, if you're going to go and do this, work out what you want to change and work out which of these tools is going to measure that change so that you can report back to your executives and say, you know, we are following the strategy, you're supporting it, and hey, there's a whole bunch of information here for you to actually go and talk about and, and talk with. So uh, that's cool. Because uh, one of the things that the Microsoft document talks about is not allowing the executives to stay in their little high-rise boardroom is to actually get them in front of people and drive it from the top downwards. Yeah, so. that's what they need to do. Yeah, it's cool. All righty. Well, there you go. Productivity score from Office 365 distilled. Boom. What are we going to do next? What do we normally do at this time of night? I can't <laughs> think what it is. We do what we do best, my friend, All which right. is grabbing a whiskey and telling our listeners about a whiskey that they might not have tasted before one of the things that we said when we first started this podcast is that we would try and bring whiskies that that are difficult to get hold of for the people that listen to the podcast not that they're expensive not that they're unique but we enjoy going to dis distant places exactly. i've got a whole bunch of french whiskey we've not even started talking about and tasting yep. on this podcast yet but we do have something really unusual yes this whiskey is created from grain that was first grown over 3 to 400 years ago yes not no no crap 
This is um, from Oxford. Um, of course. Yeah, from the university town of Oxford, of course. Um, it's from the Oxford Artisan Distillery. Toad, as they call themselves. Toad, the yes. The Oxford Artisan Distillery. Yes, that's cool. Yes. That's Toad. And basically, go and have a look at their website. And you'll see um, under their farming, they take their grains from five farms. And the guy that owns and runs these farms actually set out to recreate the same wheat and barley uh, and rye. And rye. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that was grown in medieval times. And he even learnt how to... He, he became a professional thatcher. You know, the guys that climb on people's roofs and use straw to, to build the roofs. A thatched roof, an English cottage thatched roof. Yeah. And the reason he wanted to do that was because he wanted the old grain. Exactly. The old... Yeah. seeds that was in the grain and yeah. he then went searching the seed banks around the world and then he started to propagate this barley to the point now where they have five farms creating wheat and barley using the same strains of barley and wheat and rye that were done three to four hundred years ago and then somebody said we'll buy it from you because we're going to make whiskey from it and I, I think, think that is such a cool story. It's a de yes, we we were there last week after comes first. We did a little whiskey tour, and it's it's really like in the city center. They've got the distillery. It's on a, in a little one way street. Uh, difficult to park there. It's got a, a it's got a kind of a summer vibe where you go in there. You got a few tables outside. They've got a little little place inside where you can drink something a little shop that's no bigger than my toilet um, <laughs> and then you can also go on a little tour and they will take you behind and they've got these two amazing column styles yes. one was called uh, Nemo the other one was called friend of Nemo yes the other one uh, the, the, the yeah the other guy I can't remember but yes, they and were they, So they make uh, a corn uh, whiskey, which we didn't really like that much. And they also make a uh, rye whiskey. And you didn't really like the, rye, the, the default rye that they had. No. Nope. I really liked it for some reason. It's very weird. Um, but then we also tasted their batch number three, which is their... Uh, rye whiskey but it is finished or it is stored in a moscatel de setubal cask and a moscatel is a wine cask that is it's a dessert wine it's sweet very wine. sweet very sweet and they made something incredible we before we started the podcast we tasted it as well and we were just blown away Reminded by ourselves. how good it is actually yeah. we added water this time and that exactly. really blown us away yes. but we'll get onto that in a minute yeah but moraine moraine keeps calling it tizer was it was you were talking about soft drink which one was you fanta fanta, fanta. okay yes. but if you're english you'll know the color of tizer from years ago and it's exactly that color it's kind of a reddy amber color it's it's a beautiful dark warming color but it is, a, it is a rye whiskey. We should give you the percentages, and I don't know what they are, but 50, maybe they're on the back. 57, 51%. It's 51% alcohol. I was thinking about, I, I think they said it was kind of 60% rye, 10% wheat or something, and something the rest like barley, that. Something like that, because the problem lines. is if you put too much rye in a cask, the, 
it, it that it's it's that aggressive that it will yeah. eat up everything uh, inside very yeah. fast. So it doesn't have an age statement on it. No. Nope. Um, so it, I think it's pretty. It's pretty new. It's it's not that old. It's not definitely not twelve years old. No, no, no. They said it was three years and one day. Yes, something like that. <laughs> something like that. But it's got an amazing color, and and it. I also just love the bottle. It's it's like a squarish bottle. I, I just love it. Um, on the nose, um, we were looking at the taste notes and. And you there's a list as an, long as your arm. You had an aha moment when it also said marzipan. Yes, I did. So uh, basically the aroma is, is a rye. So it's going to yes. be floral and herbs. There's no doubt about that. And, yeah. it, and it has that nice high level kind of herbs. Um, but uh, it said a hint of smoke. I don't think that is true. No, but I do get a little mint and I, I get... So the taste and the smell for me is one thing. It's Fanta. It's just Fanta. <laughs> it's, it's it is just what it is. Don't don't believe him. This is this has got a great nose on it. Um, it there's is. a lot of raisins in there. Yeah. Um, it says licorice, but I don't get that. So ignore that. But there mm -hmm. is a stickiness to the nose. There's a stickiness to the taste in the nose, and that's where the marzipan comes from. Yeah. It's kind of got that hint of you know. Um, Sort of almonds mm -hmm. um, and sugary, uh, a kind of, uh, I want to kind Very of say, um, yes. uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, that black treacly stuff that's made out of sugar. What do they call it? It doesn't matter. It's one of those days. Anyway. Caramel. Um, no, no, no. I was thinking it's more that you cook with it, but it's okay. okay. But I like the nose. Okay. It's good. It's, it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's a complex. It's not overpowering. It's, it's a complex, complex nose. Yeah. Yes, with with a, a lot of uh, Fanta complexity, and it's it it will it it prepares you for what's about to come, because when you drink this, when you take a sip of this, this just blows every thing in your mouth wide open. I'm speechless. Yes, it is a really nice drink. It's chewable, so I mean it's uh, it's got that wonderful sort of depth to it. It's got that volume, that yep. oily, oily volume. Yep. So it's 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 a little bit like uh, you know taking that in. Um, I guess I can get a a little bit of um, banana in there. You can get that sweetness yeah. that that comes through, but not in a vanilla-y way. So it hasn't got any of that kind of bourbon-y no. kind no. of taste. No. It's but got then, it's got some pepper, it's got some mint. It's that's got on the banana. on the finish though. Yeah, yeah. But when when it hits your tongue. There's this moment when the taste transforms. We talked about Lille Yes. when we had the smoke. You suddenly drink your whiskey and then boom, you get smoke. You get that kind of thing, but it, but it's an earthiness. We described it earlier today as that kind of, you know, you're walking in the woods and the forest and it starts to rain and, and you're suddenly and sort of, um, you're walking through that kind of damp, earthy, you know, um, yeah. And that's what you get either side of the tongue at the back of your throat. And it just kind of lays down, just just lays down there. The bananas come through again. Um, ah, it's beautiful. But then as the finish, as you wait, it just goes on and on. It's not like a big smoky whiskey. Um, it's not the kind of minutes and minutes of finish, but it is subtle. It's lovely. It's great. It's, it's more than subtle, I would say. It's It's not that boom. That will leave you 
like you can't taste anything else for the next 10 minutes but it is definitely there yeah i mean i'm still tasting it now but yeah. i i can also feel that taste that rye and that barley kind of uh, grainy taste mm-hmm. um oh, sorry not taste on the finish yeah so that's really cool we're putting some water in this because this transforms it again so when you first take the nose of this in case of have to go flick flick there we go so when when you first nose this this drink you can it it does it comes across as sweet the muscadet yeah. is there you can yes. you can't miss it you yeah. drop some water in here and it kind of fades into the background and the subtleties of this nose come out you can start to smell the apples you can start to hit the raisins yeah. a little bit once you yeah. drop a little bit of water definitely in. those raisins absolutely yeah. Um, the apple there is not green. It's those rosy red apples. Yeah, the jazz apples. <laughs> the jazz apples. Yes. Yeah. But it, it keeps that fresh uh, smell, that minty fresh, and that Fanta is there as well. It is, yes. Yeah. But, but then, then the taste is completely then. different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and boom. Oh my god this is amazing it's lovely it is it is great it, it effectively focuses the taste once you drop some water in here yeah. um you, you you don't get that laying down of of that sort of earthiness anymore you you get that kind of spike um of sugars um there's actually a bit of smoke there as well now. You can actually taste really? that kind of barbecue. Yeah. Ooh, I need to taste it again. Yeah. No, it is. I just noticed that it's there. But it is a very pleasant complex to drink. So as it, as it dies away, there's just a hint of yeah. that smoky barbecue in the background. Nothing much. But it, it's, no. it's an ever-tasting finish. It yeah. really is beautiful. And again, drop of water. So if you do get a bottle of this, and I really recommend it because... You can't do this in a year's time. Batch yeah. one has already sold out. Batch two, they don't think they had any more left. Yeah. And batch three, we bought a bottle of. Yes. And it's um, one of the last ones. Yes. So. Um, and as I've been told, that, that first batch is now for resale on, oh, on yes, specialist right. forums. And it's going crazy prices. Yeah. She was saying it's a thousand yeah. pounds a bottle now. Yeah. I can imagine. Because to be honest, this is not a cheap bottle. This is actually one of the most expensive bottles i bought really around 90 pounds 100 euros okay so it's not that cheap it's not overly it expensive is, though. it's not overly expensive no. no exactly but if you're if you have to make a choice between your supermarket oh. 40 euro whiskey or even a lafrake 16 which is around 60 65 euros and then you need to go I'd buy deeper this. to one yes me, i'd buy this yes i'm so happy i got a bottle of this yeah absolutely because i've also got the, the 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 default rye which doesn't have this range of complexity but it is also really 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 good we've got to stop gushing over this whiskey yes <laughs> yes we're not being paid <laughs> for this one no but this it, this was great and I also love the, so we were there and, and we just had a lovely time there. We were um, trying to kill the dog. Yes, uh, trying to kill the dog as well. <laughs> but no, we, we actually had um, our tasting and the whole story delivered 
by a girl who works there who's still a student. Yeah. Um, awesome uh, zombie Egypt uh, <laughs> mummy stories um, as well. Super entertaining, but she was really knowledgeable. Uh, she was super sweet. Um, definitely a really good experience. This this whole distillery is like going back to the 60s. It seems to be full of weird people. You yes, know, from, exactly. Yeah, exactly. We, we heard the story that the guy that built the still wanted to build it in an old steam engine. Yes. So he wanted to actually get a train and use that to actually distill the... Uh, but the investors decided that was not a good idea. Yeah. So they in, instead built this wonderful column still. So yes. you should actually yeah. uh, uh, tr check on the website because it is fascinating. The still looks amazing. It's... it's, it's I've, I told I've, it, been, I said, I've been to at least 20 whiskey tours. I've never, ever seen something like this. Column still. Uh, I've seen one in the island. So yeah, yeah, but, but I've, I I've, do seen get it. Column, I've seen column stills. But this is just yeah, out of that. this world. I, I, I think I, it, I'm, I'm totally in love with this. Yeah. Anyway, so there we yeah. go. We're, we're a bit hooked on this rye. That's uh, no, Oxford rye whiskey. Uh, Oxford Artisan Distillery, go see. And uh, yeah, if you can get a bottle. I mean, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I put my glass down two minutes ago and uh, this is still coming through. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of getting orange in the sides of my cheeks now. This yep. is strange. I'll have to enjoy this more. We so, forgot the gummy bears. Yeah, yes. yeah. I, I don't like to describe a whiskey as no. full of gummy beers, bears, no. but I do understand it. So what Marin and I did, we uh, we basically bought a bunch of bottles from Cotswold and uh, from Rye, and then we kind of halved and halved them. So we, we have a bit of each in our collection. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to having this here. Mm -hmm. and uh, and tasting this a little bit more because i think it's fascinating yeah. what a podcast exactly it was good and what a finish like a finish <laughs> to have on a soissons neuf <laughs> yes a proper soissons neuf finish oh we're gonna yes. have to mark this one as being a uh, risk a podcast but that's no, okay. no 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 the name will be the touchy feely cold hard data 69. 69 episode 69 touchy feely cold hard data we've exactly. got the title already yes. defined listen we hope that you've got something from this we hope you're laughing and you're enjoying yourself we hope you're thinking how can i get hold of a bottle of whiskey rye but we're also hoping that you'll go and have a look at productivity score so uh, if you're an end user or if you're a manager talk to your administrator and say hey show me the productivity score and in fact you can get to the productivity score if you if you get a uh, admin reader access yes. Yes. so you'll be able to sort of just look at it and view it without actually being able to bring down your tenant um, and then really start to read up on it do a, a microsoft search on productivity score they've got a page on each of those communications meetings and collaborations understand what they mean so that you can talk to your execs talk to your stakeholders and say okay look this means that we are seeing more and more people collaborating over the same document because our communication figure is going up our content collaboration is going up which means that at least one people one person is creating content and another one is editing it yeah. the same document not one that they've you know copied to each other and of course, it's all pointing towards efficiency, one version of the truth, knowledge management. Uh, it's really, really good that these attributes are actually telling you that you're moving to a knowledge organization and to that be you're honest, transforming. These days, it's all about 
hybrid workplace. That's true. How do we get people to work in the office or work at home in, a, in a, the most efficient way? Productivity score will tell you so much. And if you've discovered productivity score a while ago or those kind of metrics, then being able to see the back to work and how more efficient or less efficient you're being yeah. um, is really actually quite, uh, quite useful. Um, there are more and more organizations, I think I, I said in the last podcast, I've been approached by two organizations that really want to look at how efficient they are being with remote working. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these kind of touchy-feely, hard, cold data um, figures will actually provide that. Yes. Brilliant. I can't stop yeah. talking about this. It's yeah. been a good podcast. It's been uh, great to see you again in my office here. Uh, back to normality. No guests. Just you and me. Yeah. Yep. And a bottle of whiskey. Exactly cool all right folks well we've uh, broke our one hour barrier but that doesn't seem to mind people are watching it for the whole hour so i'm just going to kind of say uh, i hope you've enjoyed this uh, we enjoyed researching it this time uh, it is on our whiteboard and moreno will take a picture and put it on the uh, the notes um so i'm just going to say it's uh, steve dolby here saying goodbye and good night and uh hand over to moraine to have the final word Oh, no, I'm supposed to have the final word. Oh, I keep forgetting that. Over to Maureen. I just want to say one thing to our dear listeners. I hope it was as good for you as it was for me. And thank you so much for being here. Uh, And uh, let's go to number 70. We are not millennials. We are mature. Steve. Maybe more than Maren. Maturing the business like whiskey in a barrel.